This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Almost Famous Minute, where we're discussing the 2000 Cameron Crowe film Almost Famous, one minute at a time. I'm Eric Nash from Watchmen Minute. And I'm Nay from the Off 5 and Calvin and Hobbes cast. Hey, glad to have you with us, Nay. Thank you. I'm very excited to talk about Almost Famous. Yeah. Uh, This is uh, Minute 37 here in Week 17, oddly enough. Um... (laughs) And it starts with Ben making a deal with William and ends with Lester trying to discourage William. So we have uh, uh, the one thing that's I, that, that's actually really uh, makes a lot of sense for you to be on for the, these minutes. He, he's silent. He, he made his debut last minute, but uh, he's he's silent for both last minute and this minute. But uh, good old uh, Dwight Schrute. Yep. Rain Wilson. He's so fancy with his cigarette yeah. holder and his little yeah. red suit. <laughs> My my big note for that was he has this uh, great cigarette acting this minute. Yeah. He's just kind of waving around there. This other guy, I always thought, you know, uh, Ben Fong Torres. I always thought that was supposed to be Jan Wenner when I saw it before. Oh, Jan, wow. Jan Wenner. So I assumed yeah. that that's what Jan Wenner looked like. And it's just wow. a whole confusing thing. When the, then later on, I saw what he looked like. And I'm like, that's he doesn't look like that actor. Yeah. But then I looked He's up. Not- Ben Fong Torres today, and he looks almost exactly like that guy. So, really good casting, actually. <laughs> well, and 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 later on, much much later, um, there, uh, Jan Wenner is actually even in this movie. Oh, he's, he's, he has a very, you know, little little very, you know, even smaller than cameo. I'd say. He I guess I forgot about anything. that. Yeah. Oh, the real Jan Wenner. Yeah, the real Jan Wenner is actually mm-hmm. in this. Nice. Um. Very, very briefly. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, Ben Fong Torres, um, played by Terry Chen. But he's just an editor at Rolling Stone, and he's still able to 
hand out the dough for assignments and stuff. Yeah, right. Well, and that's and this other guy too, played by Rain Wilson, is that is David Felton. Um, is his name, and he was a writer, that's for sure. He, he uh, the, the biggest thing I saw him that that he wrote was in uh, 1970, so three years prior to this, um, about uh, Charlie Manson and the murders. Oh, they're all on the masthead, I imagine, back in the day. Yeah, right. That's yeah, back back in the early days when yeah, you definitely uh, would have uh, people that that wrote and did, did had the the editing capab- responsibilities and. Right, would would then also be on the masthead. I remember Hunter S. Thompson was still on the masthead when I was reading it in the oh. early oddies, but really? he didn't write anything in it during those times. They just always kept yeah. him on there as yeah. like a foreign correspondent or something. Oh. Probably not that. That sounds more. It, it's some like foreign affairs desk or something. He had a special title. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like I I even uh, saw something where some people were kind of confused by the the Rain Wilson character. And thinking he was supposed to be Hunter S. Thompson, too. Oh. <laughs> there was some confusion there, too, I think, over the years. Um, was this Rain Wilson's first role? Because this predates uh, House of a Thousand Corpses by quite okay, a bit. Yeah. When, when he turns into a merman. Yeah, and he certainly does have uh, a couple lines later in the movie here. As I said, uh, this, this is all this silent acting. <laughs> he's He's doing the thumbs down song or uh, sign the thumb downs uh sign to uh ben not not as some kind of uh negative you know as as i think most people would kind of think or or even lower it's 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 kind of a, a f- formulation or, or different differentiation of lower he's really just trying to just say low keep it low yeah low ball him yeah low ball him yeah yeah keep uh the uh what what are, what they're gonna pay young william so yeah there's two things in this minute where william gets kind of saved by his own uh lack of words mm-hmm. <laughs> his own speechlessness right, yeah. yep in this one because they they think he's being stoic or something and then mm-hmm. offer him 300 more dollars and then the other one in a few seconds is there anything you want to talk about before we get to that part? Well, no, no. Uh, well, I mean, the thing that I would actually, the, the big thing I noted about uh, uh, the point where William is kind of making a cer- this certain sounds, like, he's, he dropped, I think he's dropped a pen or pencil, what have you, but he's kind of making that that sound, and it's, it's a similar scene, or a similar sound that's being made, in my mind, uh, similarly on a phone, over a phone, and it's actually the uh, the impersonation that in Ferris Bueller's Day Off that the secretary, played by Edie McClurg, is making, trying to trying to imitate Ed Rooney, the principal. I don't know if yeah. you if you, have you seen that. Not recently. Seen no, not recently. Okay, well, it's always <laughs> yeah. stuck in my mind as a great okay. little bit of comedy. Um, I know, I know the guy, and I know uh, Gary Victoria of of Ferris Bueller's Minute Off. Uh, uh, certainly. Uh, pointed that out as being an interesting part as well i them. i pulled um, a different john hughes reference sure. with okay. uh it's reminding me of kevin McAllister in home alone 2 ordering things from the room service like, excuse me I'm rep-, like uh, like a super yeah. fake adult voice <laughs> that no <laughs> adult actually has Can you imagine if, if i called somebody like 
called my bank or something to have some drag session. I was like, excuse me, this is Nathan trying to take out some money from my checking account. They'd be like, okay, kid, kid, get off the phone. Like, there's no way they'd believe it. <laughs> Not a real voice. <laughs> well, and, again, and, and, and then that leads me to another, that reminds me of another Ferris Bueller Day Off thing is when, uh, for when Cameron is doing the, the uh, older adultish, you know, uh, uh, Chicago <laughs> um, person, um, yeah, imitation to fool uh, uh, Rooney earlier on, and then later uh, in the middle, I roughly the uh, the waiter, <laughs> this snooty snotty waiter. <laughs> um, so you know, like uh, something that happens here is that uh, you know that that again, you know, helps. Uh, what you're, what, what I think, what you're going towards is, is that uh, Ben is asking, "What's your background, William? Are you a journal? Are you a journalism major?" And he does say, "Yeah," but Ben then, you know, you know, further, you know, line of inquiry is what college, and that's when, you know, I mean, there's there's definitely a couple seconds there where William is not coming up with anything. <laughs> he's he's thinking for a second too or two there, but then uh, Elaine, his mom. Who Ben Ben then thinks is his wife, um, William's wife, uh, because Elaine comes on and says, "Honey, I need you to do that thing that fixes the garbage disposal." Um, and and he and Ben certainly has his uh, his line of you know, know how know how my lady gets when you don't snap to it. Yeah, and it kind of paints a portrait of their home life too. That yeah, that William's the guy that would fix the garbage disposal. He is kind yeah. of. Uh, you know him and even though he's being raised by his mother they're kind of like partners a little bit in sense of Uh they're the only ones there and so they split up those tasks but yeah you're supposed to think oh he's toast because obviously that's his mom you saw it but if you realize if you're just listening to it it could be his wife or something yeah it's it's that old uh old old uh timey tradition thing of uh you know the 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 man of the house and and their responsibilities and so forth that uh he he would be the one to uh whoever whoever is the man of the house is the one that uh should take care of fixing the garbage disposal yeah so you think that she's blown it but actually she right. saves him because then that distracts from the university question so yeah, and it never it certainly never comes back to that because in Ben Fong Torres's mind, you know, his reasoning for asking these things is to kind of snuff out any possibility of you know someone kind of trying to pull one over on them. I would think, um, you know, and and that uh, kind of uh, gets him to uh, realize that okay, this this has got to be legit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. This is clearly an adult man, so it's yes. fine. No matter, he can write those articles, I'm sure, because he's clearly an adult with a wife, therefore he's qualified. Yeah, yeah and then they then they both go back and forth saying crazy a few right, times. Yeah. yeah, and there was the one time uh, previous, in the, in the very previous minute, when Ben, you know, that, that's when the when the phone call starts, uh, and, and there's the, the, the minute ends with Ben saying crazy, and then it goes into the, let's do 3,000 words. Right. Um, now, one one thing I think also to he- heavy to note, um, you know, we've we've uh, certainly I think I think it started in the last minute was the song uh, "Easy to Slip" by the band Little Feet, um, and and it, you know it's it's actually it really 
makes me think of, uh, especially almost right at the split of the of the minutes here, what we heard the previous minute was kind of more hard rocking. But what this minute has is a more tender, almost uh, a um, ballad, you know, ballad almost-ish, mm-hmm. maybe kind of a song um, by this band, Little Feet, which uh, had a lot of um, um, uh, people uh, that were that were uh, uh, fan, you know, other other rock musicians and so forth that were fans of it. One, the biggest person of note being Jimmy, Jimmy Page, who is uh, pretty crucial to this. Uh, this movie, this uh, and, and Cameron Crowe himself having been uh, one of the bands that uh, 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 Led Zeppelin being uh, one of the bands that uh, Crowe uh, toured with and did interviews with. Yeah, Jimmy Page was kind of the original Jason Lee. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, just kidding. That's, but yeah, <laughs> one interesting detail in the beginning part is he says, uh, you're going to join the band on the road. And then he says, we'll set up billing. Don't let the band pay for anything. Uh-huh. Um, so they they want to avoid that conflict. They're setting that up early because the band's going to try to butter him up by yeah, buying right. butter or something. Yeah, that's that's. there's definitely a uh, a little bit of a phrase later that's uh that's used in the rolling stones offices when we come back to them later in a movie that's uh he's just a fan wait that william is just a fan and wrote this uh article that uh you know was just uh painting a pretty picture of the band on the road versus anything uh kind of uh whether it was just uh of a more uh behind the scenes of a of of things that bands wouldn't want you to know about kind of uh of you they want that dirt yep um but then but then the real thing uh, that i've read about uh, a good bit here in 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 preparing for this show is that uh um one of the big reasons that rolling stone was interested in having this you know and knowing that they had this you know young writer and and continued to write for them as as he was in his later teens um uh, after his initial kind of foray uh, or two, and and just just several several more, and on into his twenties too, that's for sure. But but in those earlier days, it was just it was just this uh, notability that they had this young <laughs> teenage writer on almost on almost on staff. It was you know they they just a little more consultancy like you know yeah contributor yeah he wasn't uh, fully on staff because he was still trying to finish school and all that, but. Um, I looked up, I you know, to research for this. Tried to read that original, what probably would have been the original article yeah. that he wrote, mm-hmm. and, and I didn't find anything that was that interesting to read. Unfortunately, <laughs> like when I was reading it, I was kind of falling asleep and just stopped reading it. So I'm yeah. like, you know, I got yeah, a lot of things. Not, yeah, I'm just gonna look up footage. It's not of the gonzo Lester journalism Bay. of Hunter S. Thompson, as they point out. We are we already later on. There's the line. <laughs> we already have one Hunter S. Thompson at this magazine. <laughs> yeah, but they should get more because. <laughs> Yeah, he's a good writer. <laughs> well, they have their own Hunter S. Thompson now. Their new one, uh, I don't recall his name, but he he wrote he writes like the new political stuff and uh, uh, Matt Tybee or something T A I B B I. Yeah, yeah, Matt Matt Tybee. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I, it's I so Hunter S. Thompson. Years ago, when I last, yeah, when I last had HBO, which I will be getting HBO back soon because of the Watchmen show. But uh, and I, w- I would tune into the uh, real time with Bill Maher 
mm-hmm. show every now and then, and and he was definitely a, a a guest on there a few times over the few years I was watching that. He's cool, but it is very derivative. But then I don't know. I guess it's like it's cool to have that something like that perspective here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Rolling down Highway 41. Um, the, 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 that first song we were talking about, uh, Easy to Slip, um, that does end at a point here. There's a little bit of a blank you know, a couple the couple lines that are that are said about the garbage disposal and snap to it, but then this other song starts up um, and it ends up being diegetic. Um, and actually, I'm sorry, this is actually the song that I was thinking that's that's this is the uh, this is the song that has that hard rocking at the start, um, and and then right I think right around the change of this minute into the next that you, while you're here with us, Nathan, that uh, it uh, goes into a little more ballad. Type. The easy to slip. That was that's more. Hmm. This next one is the raspberries. Right. Yeah. By the raspberries. That. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. But but the easy to slip by little feet. It's. Yeah. It's 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 got it's it's similar to the you know the Leonard Skinner and Almond Brothers that are definitely a big part of, of uh, this movie. Um, but much cheaper. Yeah. But, but I'm right, assuming. <laughs> Got to fill up the whole movie with music. We can't be dropping big bucks on every single song. Mm-hmm. Is there a really epic, almost famous playlist on Spotify or something that you know more than the soundtrack had? Oh yeah, yeah. I I, I know that I know those are out there. Yeah, that that's been. Uh, there's been uh, people that have those. I think I've, I I well and actually it's it was previous guests even actually that I know have created that as well. So I know I know multiple people have, have have created that, and I even have, but I even have my own, which is you know essentially my permanent version. When I've had, I've, I've even copied it onto the couple different cloud spots I can, um, you know where it's you know I mean it's it's my actual you know actual downloaded files um, from my uh, Amazon you know and so forth, um, and, and my own personal collection even before Amazon was a thing. I certainly had some of them. Um, but you know, all, all numbered too, <laughs> numbered in the right order. So that way, you know, if I had to, uh, put them in a whole different folder for whatever reason, they would still at least all be in the right order. Yeah. So, so yeah, so, and we have that, so we have that create, uh, the change in the song as well as, you know, which is overlaying this, this, this one scene with Ben and, uh, and then we start to hear a little bit and then, and cut to as well, uh, uh, William talking with Lester Bangs again. He certainly had the uh, the good uh, five minutes, roughly maybe earlier in the film, and, and then we get him sprinkled in like two or three times here throughout. With this being the first of those a little bit smaller times where they're where they're all on the phone. Um, we we never they're never back in in person in in one on one communication uh, in person together. But these oh, these uh, phone calls. 
And then this is the phone call where Lester is wearing the shirt, Detroit Sucks. Yeah, what's the story behind that? (laughs) Well, you know, and that's that's one of the weird things I kind of got into a little bit with the previous guest was that, uh, you know, know, I I mentioned, oh, there's later on, we're going to have him wearing that shirt, yet we were talking about how he kind of, he was from Detroit. He's living there in San Diego. He lives there. Um, I think that's right. But he like left all that MC5, Iggy and the Stooges stuff, right? right? Yeah, from Detroit. He, he certainly a lot likes some of it, but then you know, I, I think he, he, you know, there's there's other parts of it. I mean, I. Uh... I love hearing people that are really passionate about things. I love yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman's portrayal of Lester Banks, and I used to think uh-huh. that was like the coolest thing. And now that I'm a little <laughs> bit older, I'm like. Oh, calm down about rock and roll. <laughs> It'll be fine. <laughs> it's gonna change. You're just you're getting old. I can't believe you would like say the whole thing had died and like you look at that time frame. It's like three right. years that he like did a 180 on music in general, and it's like I guess you know rock music really hadn't been around long enough to realize it goes in cycles. But you know or whatever. But uh, I, I did look up Lester Bangs talking uh, in his interview and. And he does a, a pretty good job. He's does like a Lester Bangs mixed with Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> a lot of Philip Seymour Hoffman in there too. Yeah. But I love his energy as he's running around that room. Nervous energy, getting yeah. records off the shelf and stuff. Um, in this minute, you know, he, he's saying uh, Lester ends the minute by saying back to William, "You got starry eyes, my friend." But then next minute, there's there's an even more <laughs> explicit thing that that he says after the phone is hung up, um, right? Which we can certainly get into then, and that, and that kind of weirdness of complications of <laughs> Lester's <laughs> life and so forth. Uh, well, he's friends with a kid. That's weird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if I if I met someone and they were really talented and I had a, a lot of promise in them, and then they were a kid, I'd be like. All right, see you when you're an adult. I'm not gonna hang out with a kid. Like, I'm not gonna mentor a kid. Sorry. Um, and and the, there is the other thing that Lester is warning. You know, he's he's saying beware to William. You know, of Rolling Stone magazine because they will change your story. They'll rewrite it. You know, turn it into swill. And we have a so so sw- the word swill is used once here, and it kind of. You know, William William just you know disregards that. Says, but, but besides that, what what would be wrong with what would be wrong with it? Would what would be wrong with you know writing an article for Rolling Stone? Um, and and that word swill also comes back uh, next minute as a one of those interesting things that I, I I think I don't we don't I don't think we see William writing down the phrase, but. But he certainly likes it and puts it in his <laughs> in his memory banks, I believe. I right. Say. And so Lester Banks is the editor at Cream Magazine at this time. Is that right? Because he was able right, to yeah. get a story from him earlier. Right. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I mean. He's. He's. I. You know. There, there are certain points definitely after this. I know that uh, he's still. He, he. He would. You know. Write as well. Write articles and, and do interviews and so forth. But, um, yeah, he, he's definitely in that editor role mainly. Yeah. I had his book, uh, oh. Carburetor Dung and something. Psychotic oh. Reaction and Carburetor Dung. Um, okay. I, I, and I read 
through it a little bit but it's like it's just really hard to enjoy it if you don't know anything most of the things in there i hadn't heard and uh that was before when i had that book it was before spotify where you could just hear anything you wanted Uh at any time so when i would hear these like now if i were listening to that i would probably put on that album while i was listening to the Mm -hmm. part so i could see what he's talking about but it's just hard to a total abstraction when you haven't even heard of the band and you're trying to get into it i was mostly read the reviews of the bands i at least heard and and then i think i yeah yeah ideally and back in the day that's the way it should have been it should have been written in a way where if you hadn't heard it it should get you to you know at least if at least if the if the uh writer is wanting you is, is thinking you should buy it then it should get what you want you to go out and listen to it and buy it that's but, true, huh? You're supposed yeah, to yeah. read it before yeah. you listen to it, and I'm yeah. like, well, I guess, I guess maybe in that way it wasn't a very good review. Of a lot of yeah, those, because right. even the glowing ones, I don't know. Maybe I, if it was in there, maybe that was why Which I picked is... up Captain Beefheart or something. I don't know if that was in there, but I, <laughs> yeah. there were like things at that time mm-hmm. where people would just recommend something to me, and I would just go buy the CD and then listen to it multiple times to make sure I was getting everything out of it. And nowadays, you know, <laughs> it's like five seconds in, I'm like, ah, eh, this isn't really for me, and click, you know. <laughs> So some of those uh, more challenging albums, I'm like, well, who's got the time to enjoy a challenging album eventually? Uh, well, do you have any other notes? Are there any any of the actors that we've? I mean, you already talked. You definitely talked a little bit about Philip Seymour Hoffman, but well, anyone I guess, else you want to talk about? Or yeah, Patrick. Uh, how do you pronounce his name? Fugit. Yeah. Well, William, you know, I I think that this movie kind of shows uh, possibly Cameron Crowe's uh, inexperience with uh, directing actors in a little bit. I hate to be mean. It's just, you know, I think when he works with good actors, they all give him what he wants. But for me, William's, uh, the performance of William kind of like varies all over the place. Like sometimes yeah. it's it's really endearing. And then other, like, especially at the end when he's, like, yelling at, at Penny Lane, I'm like, this is, like, some of the worst acting I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Where he's, like, he's, like, yelling, but he's not even really yelling. He's like, I'm trying to tell you. Well, I think, that's, I think that's the point of, the, for the character. The character is acting. The character is kind of, it's not that he's lying. What, what he's saying at that point is that he's lying. It's more that he's, the attitude that he's putting on is, is a mm. put on. <laughs> That's true. You know, he's he's trying to be mean when he's generally not. He's an awfully nice. Yeah, kid. it's like someone trying to be mean for the first time, yeah, like when right. when Jim Halpert <laughs> tries to yell in the office. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. It's yeah. just like I remember watching the extra features, and he was talking about how Cameron Crowe waves by just putting up his hand when he's leaving places, and he's yeah. like, "I'm going to do that in the movie," and he does it multiple times in the movie. And I'm like, "Why don't you pick up like Cameron Crowe also doesn't act as weird as you are acting? <laughs> Why don't you act more like a person?" <laughs> <laughs> you know other than doing the hand thing which is cool but like you know we don't know him so <laughs> you could wave any old way if you wanted <laughs> the other crazy thing that happened over the course of shooting the movie is that he started went through puberty <laughs> so they they had that kind of issue where they kind of and I, I feel like even in this minute i mean he's definitely doing those you know lowering his voice um to try to fool ben Fontores, but but I, I feel like there's spots spots in there where it's eighty yard a little bit. Oh, interesting. 
I feel yeah, they should have had him record all of his yeah. lines at the beginning before he went through puberty, just in case. <laughs> yeah. Like the whole movie. And get some squeaks in there, too. Mm-hmm. Ah! Yeah. yeah. But anyway, that's okay. that's all I wanted yeah. to say. Anyway, cool. uh, you know, you're he, he's good, though. Some of, some of his lines are so endearing. Like when he's like, well, what would be wrong with that? You know, like in this minute. I, I don't know. Sometimes it's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. Um, so... This is the point where for the first for the first day with you, uh, Nathan, um, would you rank from favorite to least or vice versa? Um, the four bands that are most commonly believed to make up the band, uh, Stillwater, um, and they are just 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 in case we got any new listeners somehow <laughs> starting with this minute. Um, Almond Brothers Band, Eagles, Led Zeppelin, and Leonard Skinner. Uh, yes, I I'm gonna I'll go favorite to least, I guess. Sure. I I actually really like the Almond Brothers band. Oh. I or I uh, listened cool. to the audiobook of their entire biography, which is really long, and it actually made me like them even more. Oh. Um, and when I listen to them, it sounds pleasant. I don't put them on that often, but it's like it's like all pretty good stuff from the era I listened to. You know, oh. the the classic albums. Anyway, then I'd have to go. I was I was like tossing up between the next two and between and I had to I think I went with Led Zeppelin because I think that they have some some really great and diverse songs especially like you know some of their more out there stuff like Trampled Underfoot and mm-hmm. uh you know they went through a journey it's just amazing oh, yeah. guitar work and uh but then like their most popular songs I feel like everyone goes through that Zeppelin phase. And so like their most popular songs, I don't really want to hear anymore because I've like, I, I definitely over that phase. So now mm-hmm. it's like, I'll listen to, you know, I don't want to, I just don't want to hear like, like uh, black dog anymore. Actually a black dog. I would hear. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know which ones I don't, I'm mostly stuff from like uh two and three, I guess. Yeah. Um, but then next I got to go for the Eagles because I, I did watch their documentary uh, when it was on Netflix. Maybe it still is that massive two-part documentary, mm-hmm. and to me, that just really showed how they were a real band. Like they felt like a real young band, which I've never really thought about them in that way. Because the first time I heard them, they were already reuniting and they're yeah. already all sitting down playing acoustic guitars at the front of the stage, and that's kind of how I always thought of them. To see footage and you know just hear how passionate they were about mm-hmm. putting together harmonies and stuff but then on the other hand i really hate some of their music so uh but but i can definitely i definitely get a big big eagles vibe from stillwater more so than mm. what i know about the other bands they just don't mm-hmm. seem like big rock stars they don't seem as like bluesy and down to earth as the Allman brothers they seem a little bit more california and fakey so i would have to probably <laughs> say they're mostly the eagles and then lastly is Leonard Skinner. To me, they're just like lesser Allman Brothers. <laughs> Sorry to any Skinner yeah. fans, but uh, I always just think of like Allman Brothers Jr. with the Confederate flag. So, <laughs> Plus, you know, like the fact that they kept going so long after both both of those Southern bands had a lot of a death, you know. Uh, yeah, right. And I feel like Allman Brothers kept it together a lot better creatively uh-huh. than like hiring the singer's brother. And, <laughs> you know, yeah, like at least, a lot at of least with Allman died. Brothers, they're already both in the band. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The Allman Brother. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And then uh, I guess it's all of them. Yeah. So that's my list. Cool. That's that's a little little uh, different, I think, than we've had. Uh, the, the preponderance definitely is Zeppelin 1. But... <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. The lead at this point i 
There's definitely a time I would have said that when I had more testosterone, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, great. Um, so uh, you think you'll be able to make it back for the uh, the next minute, uh, uh, minute 38 coming up? Sure. And actually in a week. See you next week, <laughs> buddy. From now. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, we'll do that. Um, and uh, uh, you, you want to plug just a real quick, a, a real quick uh, other thing. I, I think you said at the beginning. Uh, what did you say? Did oh, you say, yeah, what yeah. Did you say the off five or what did you say? Yeah, the off five office, uh, but yeah. with a V. Google will yeah. try to correct you. Just don't let it. Don't let it do it, man. <laughs> uh, but it's about the office. Goes through each episode. It's it's pretty yeah. pretty good. I think so if you'll yeah. like it if you like The Office. If you haven't watched The Office a lot, you probably will hate it. So don't listen to it in that case. <laughs> I listened to it. That's for darn sure. Oh, thank okay. you. Okay. Um, yeah, welcome. Uh, so we'll be back next time. And until then, it's all happening. It's all happening. I am a golden god! It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.